Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Three Under Par podcast. This is a golf podcast where little white ball is life. I'm your host, Scotty T, and we have a special episode coming your way today. Hope everybody is having a great Labor Day weekend. And for this episode, myself and T-Bone sat down with Baylor University head golf coach Mike McGraw. Coach McGraw has been coaching at Baylor since 2014, has a fantastic pedigree, has won multiple national championships, was the head coach at Oklahoma State, and then was the assistant coach at Alabama before coming to Baylor in 2014. This is an awesome interview. Coach McGraw talks a lot about how he got into golf, a lot about the college golf game in particular, and what you can expect from the Baylor team this season. So before we dive into the interview, check us out on social media at 3UnderParPod. That is the number 3, 3UnderParPod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a five-star rating and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, specifically just a couple of sentences on what you like about the show. And most importantly, tell a friend about the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Coach Mike McGraw. Okay, we are joined now by Baylor University head golf coach, Coach Mike McGraw. Coach McGraw, how's it going? It's going great. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on today. Hey, we're really excited to have you on, especially towards the beginning of the school year. New beginnings, new team that's coming in. How's the team looking so far? Well, you know, um, we haven't made any bogeys. We haven't missed a single fairway. What a great season. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, no, honestly, it's um, there's it a lot of great anticipation. The guys are excited. You know, everybody's always excited to be back. But we've had a particularly good summer of competition around the country, so – I think that the guys are excited to see if we can make that translate to a good college season. Right. Now, I I know as a, as a fellow Baylor grad, Thomas is a fellow Baylor grad too. We love what you're doing with the program. And so just kind of wanted to start back, and then we can kind of move our way forward from there. Um, you know, you've been coaching for a long time. So even before that, though, how did you get into golf? Did you grow up playing, play at the college level? How did all that uh, come about? Well, my dad was a, a country club golf professional, so he was a professional at the Ponca City Country Club, small town about probably 40 miles north of Stillwater, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> pardon me, all my brothers and sisters started at a young age. I didn't really start at that young age. They all started about five. I was probably nine or ten before I got started, and uh, it just wasn't interested early on, but once I got hooked, I, I couldn't stop. I've been with it every day for 50 years. <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. I love hearing that. I know once you get the bug, it never leaves you almost, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably don't play enough golf um, like I did when I was younger, but uh, because of, you know, duties in the job and that type of thing. But, yeah, you, you want to be around the game. It's such a great place to, you know, meet great people. And, and certainly in college golf, that's what my goal is, is to, pardon me, meet really good people that can uh, represent Baylor well, and, and that's uh, kind of what I look for. Mm-hmm. For sure. How did you get into coaching to begin with? Well, I was um, playing mini tour golf and probably played three straight winters down in Florida and out in Arizona and California, and uh, I kept on coming home with my pockets empty, no cash. <laughs> And so eventually I realized it's not really a job if they're, if they're not paying you. <laughs> so, um, 
eventually I had to realize that, you know, playing professional golf probably wasn't in my future. And uh, I was, I had been the junior golf director at a golf course there in Edmond, Oklahoma, where I had played college golf. And so I started, you know, I'd, I'd been working with all these young kids, like during the summers and that type of thing. But I decided to help the high school coach a little bit. And mm-hmm. then I got the bug and realized, you know, maybe I could be pretty good at this. Who knows? And, you know, help these kids chase the dream that I fell short of. Uh, but that's that's basically how I got started. It, it was forced upon me because I wasn't playing good enough golf. Yeah, I, I, that sounds like a, a pretty naturally uh, come along story into how you're in your role now. Um, as far So me and Scott grew up playing uh junior golf all the way up through the high school ranks and a little bit here in college. And, um, throughout our time, uh, we definitely had swing coaches and head golf coaches. I would I'd be curious to just kind of hear what your role is on the team and how you kind of have that balance between maybe a swing coach or technical side of the game is, and also just like a, a head golf coach as well. Well, I do have an eye for the golf swing. I used to teach a lot. I taught a lot of golf lessons when I was a junior golf director. When I was a brand-new assistant coach at Oklahoma State, uh, we couldn't make any money in those days as an assistant coach, so very little anyway. So you had to supplement your income by teaching. So I've, I've taught the game a lot, but uh, I don't really think at the Division One level, especially the Power Five Conference, if you're having to teach the golf swing, you're probably not recruiting the right guys. So uh, you need to have a good eye for the golf swing and you need to be able to help guys with their game if they get lost or, you know, can't find their way or whatever. But, you know, you're not, a golf coach is much more a, sort of somebody that teaches them to manage their time, to manage their emotions on the golf course, teaches them just kind of how to prioritize things, um, stay on task for a goal they might have, you know, to, to try to achieve. But you're not really teaching that much of the golf swing if you are, it's going to be a, a long career. Well, actually, a very short career. You won't <laughs> you won't last very long. Right. So, you don't want to be in the business of teaching the golf swing as a, a college golf coach. And there's been a lot of really good teachers who have gotten into college coaching because they thought, uh, you know, that's the simple way to do it. I'll just teach them, you know, to be a national champion. But with the golf swing, it's really never worked. It hasn't been a very good model, probably just a couple of guys that are true swing teachers and that's, that was their background uh, ended up being great college coaches, pretty rare. So you are sort of a sports psychologist, sort of a mentor. I mean, that's a big part of your job is mentorship. Really it is. Now it definitely makes sense. I mean, cause we always say golf above all else is a mental battle <laughs> above all else. I mean, cause you, I mean, it's really easy to develop some demons out there on the golf course. I've never known a golfer who didn't have some demons. <laughs> so uh, you just kind of help them, you know, manage that. I mean, you know, I've got four new freshmen this year, and all of them have some battle they're fighting. I don't know what it is exactly yet, uh, even though I've gotten to know them very well over the last, you know, couple of years as they've committed and then signed a letter of intent. But the point is, is you don't really know what they're dealing with until they get on campus. And uh, turning that around, they really don't know what they've gotten themselves into until they've been on campus for a while. So you you kind of try to learn those things and figure out what they're struggling with and try to help them through that. Because I think if, if you've recruited a – you've done a good job of evaluating talent, you've got pretty good players, um, if you can get them comfortable, happy, healthy, you know, very comfortable, got their feet on the ground, solid, I think you 
got a good chance to have some, you know, some success on the golf side of things, but they need to really have the, the personal side figured out. So anyway, you, you're a sports psychologist, amateur, but you're definitely a sports psychologist. <laughs> and the, the transition to college just from high school, that's hard enough, even if you're a regular college student. It is, and I, I think people underestimate uh, to be a collegiate athlete, that's a full-time job. If you're, I know we're only allowed by the NCAA to mandate 20 hours per week, but the truth is the student-athlete himself is doing more on his own uh, that you're, you're never there for. But um, it's a full-time job. You're actually working quite a bit at your craft trying to do that. And then you, if you happen to travel, you're competing on the road and you know missing some school that way. And, uh, and you're trying to, to, to compete in the classroom with guys that uh, literally all they have to do is go to class every day. So mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing the average student on campus. It's just that I think they underestimate what an athlete is doing uh, to, sac- you know, how he's sacrificing in order to be able to play his sport. And I don't think some people realize, and golf specifically, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you miss the most class out of any other sport in the NCAA because not only is it year-round, you got to go early, get your practice rounds in, then three- or four-day tournaments. I mean, there's a lot of class that you miss. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. And if you're not prepared for that by, you know, being preemptive with, with respect, uh, respect to tutors and, and all different kinds of things, I've had some athletes who – really haven't through the years who haven't done a good job of kind of preparing for that and it it does affect both their golf and their school and and neither are as good as they should be so I've always told every prospect I've ever you know recruited and every parent and every current player I've ever had it it it's about discipline so the same discipline to become a great golfer that's the the discipline that it takes to be a good student it's there's no difference you, you do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, and you do it as well as you can. And so that's discipline, whether it's a golf, you know, working at golf or whether you're actually trying to become a, a great golfer. So since it's the same thing, you just do it in a different arena. Uh, if you're good at one, you should be good at the other. <clears throat> but you can't – I don't think you can flip a switch. I don't think you can be lazy in, in three or four other different areas of your life and expect to be really, really committed to your sport. I think – that lazy attitude or that lackadaisical attitude or that, uh, you know, just kind of not paying attention to details, that'll bleed over eventually into the thing you love the most, which is golf. So, um, you know, I, I try to teach them that way that it's golf is all about discipline and so is school and they work together. I love that. I love that. Well, coach, before you came to Baylor, you spent some time at Oklahoma State, had some really great teams there, won national championships as well. Uh, first off, what's it like winning a national championship? You don't do it often enough to really remember it. Right. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty rare. It's, it's, it's rare uh, that it's hard to do. It's not easy. And, uh, but it's something you know you get to share with those student athletes you know, and, and their parents and just everybody that was on the team or anybody that supported the team for the rest of your lives. I mean, because it is such a, a difficult thing to do. I mean, you look at nowadays with the match play format, I mean, the best team in the country this year was Oklahoma state and it wasn't even close. They were the best team by far mm-hmm. and they didn't win the national championship. And there were three years in a row where <clears throat> at Oklahoma state where I had the best team for sure. And we didn't win a national championship any one of those three years at match play. So uh, there's no guarantee just because you have a good team or talented players, you're going to win. So they're hard to win national championships are not easy. So you don't take it for granted. 
uh, and you you hope you get a chance to compete again. And we did a couple of years ago. I thought we were going to win in 2017. We didn't. And you never know when your last great opportunity will be. But I keep uh, hope springs eternal. So I, I still believe we're going to be able to do it here at Baylor. I really do. And I uh, don't know when that'll be or how it'll look. But I've been there before when it's happened, and it is certainly a great, great feeling. For sure. Kind of continuing on that like national championship and uh, the whole the tournaments leading up to that, there's been a lot of talk about the new format for the championship, uh, NCAA championship. What are kind of your thoughts on maybe the pros and cons of how it was before and how it is now? Well, the pros are, I think people understand head-to-head competition. So when you get to the national championship, you start with 30 teams and you play three rounds and it's cut to 15 and then you play another round and that's cut to eight and those eight go into a match play head-to-head format. So it's very compelling and it's very exciting and you get a lot of times some really neat matchups. The only con that I see and the thing that I thought they could change years ago and they didn't do it, I still believe I love the format as far as head to head, but I've always wanted those matches to be at stroke play. So my 71 beats your 72, I get the point for the team. Uh, my 68 beats your 69, I get the point for the team. Instead of match play, which is something we don't really play very much of during the season, mm-hmm. it'd be nice if those matches themselves were at stroke play. It would be better. And I've said that for 10 years. And I beat that drum every single year, and I, I get turned down every single year. So <laughs> um, the, 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 the logic of it, too, is if you're trying to have fan interest, uh, right now you might have a match finish on 13, and then your five-man. And then your, your three-man might finish on 12, and your, you know, your one match out of your five may get to the 18th hole. If it was stroke play matches, all five matches of Oklahoma State versus Baylor would make it to the 18th hole. And you talk about exciting i mean you to me that would be more exciting that's why i think it ought to be stroke play but um for 11 12 13 years now that i've been beating that drum i keep on hearing uh that's nice to hear coach but uh, we're not going to do it so (laughs) i'll just keep saying it because i think it's better it it makes sense you're trying to gather a a big crowd be great if they were all on the 18th hole as that last match was coming in to decide the tournament not just some if you looked at the the i'm just going to give you some you know I guess, history, back when we hosted in 2011 at Oklahoma State, we had 4,000 fans watching Sean Einhouse make a 20-footer to send the deciding match to a playoff, okay? And this year, when you watch it on television, the Stanford players and coaches were kind of looking around like, is it over? Is it over? They didn't know it was over because matches were ending on different parts of the golf course. So anticlimactic with very small galleries, uh, I mean, you asked the pros and cons. I'm giving you the one con, and that is the matches don't get to 18. The rest of it is fantastic. Right. Just to uh, just the head-to-head, the excitement of it. The, you know, people get it. They understand that, and and it's on television, which is beautiful um, for our for our game. So I'm really excited about that part. I don't have any real beef with them. If they would consider stroke play, it'd be great. But they're not going to, so I'm okay too. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I, I remember we were watching it this last year and seeing that Matthew Wolfer's Cole Hammer match was pretty electric, but even just if we had the chance to see them play more holes would have been great. Even though that Oklahoma state and Texas match went down the extra holes in that fifth match. It's just, I definitely see what you're saying though. It's just, I mean, cause at the end of the day, it's also an entertainment product, especially when it's on TV 
And so, you know, seeing every match end on 18, I think would be pretty, would be pretty cool. Yeah. And trust me, I, uh, match play can be very exciting. It's, it's very <laughs> compelling. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. It's just that I think it'd be even better if every match got to the 18th hole. Then you got a, a chance for big galleries, a lot of electricity, and it'd be fun. But you know what? My favorite format is whatever format they have because that's the only one we've got. And so <laughs> let's, let's go get them. That's the one I like. And I do like how the Big 12 implemented – it's like that midway match play Big 12 championship that y'all ended up winning this last year. I thought that was a pretty cool addition that the Big 12 added. Yes, in fact, we we uh, you know um, we weren't the best team at the conference championship match play championship last year for sure, and we weren't the highest seed. I think we were seeded fifth or sixth, mm-hmm. and we, so we had to play Texas and Oklahoma, two of the top five ranked teams in the country, to open the tournament. We beat them both, and. To me, that was exciting. I had our guys at a fever pitch because it was like, guys, nobody respects you. The rankings show it. The seedings show it. They don't think you can do this. You know, I had Colin Cobra. I thought he was going to commit some sort of a felony. He was so upset with, <laughs> with everybody in front of him. He was. He thought whoever's in front of me on the tee box is not in a very good position because I'm coming after him. But that was the goal was to get – because that's really all you have to do is get somebody fired up to beat the guy across the tee box from him. And so – that's probably the compelling thing about match play uh, is, you know, I just got one guy to beat and I'll do that for the team. Heads and then up. I'll sit back and see, yeah, see my team teammates do the same. And uh, we were really dominant in that tournament. I've coached 34 years of either high school or college golf. And I don't think I've ever had a team dominate a good field that, uh, you know, handily. I mean, we, there were 30 possible matches that we played individual matches and we, we won 20, we tied five and lost five. Wow, so it was kind of it was just kind of like wow. I can't. This is amazing. And uh, but we did it off of energy and excitement and in, intensity. And so if I could get our guys to get at that fever pitch, pitch at stroke play all the time, I think we'd be a whole lot better. We'll see if I can do that this year. <laughs> sure thing. Playing that psychiatrist role again this next year. Um, you know, throughout you the bet. years, coach, you've you've coached some really high profile players. Uh, through your time at Oklahoma State and now Baylor, uh, our friend Kyle Jones, he's up there on the PGA Tour now. Hopefully he can get his card back. Who are some of your favorite players that you've coached throughout the years, maybe some names that we would recognize? Well, um, I really enjoyed coaching Charles Howell. I was his assistant coach, but Charles was just literally one of the funniest, wittiest, smartest kids you've ever been around. And all he did was just hit practice balls until dark every day. And he'd fish <laughs> about 15 minutes before dark. Uh, really, really neat kid. Still keep in touch with him today. So I really, really enjoyed Charles Howell. Um, Ricky Fowler is uh, whatever you see on television. He's every bit that and more. He's just a genuine guy. In fact, I kind of wish he was a little, <laughs> a little meaner. He's got such a great <laughs> personality. People love him. And he cares about people, and he treats people the right way. And uh, so what you're seeing is not fake. That's just who he is. And um, I really enjoyed coaching him. I enjoyed a guy named Zach Robinson who you've never heard of, but he was the Byron Nelson Award winner uh, Mm -hmm. at at Oklahoma State and was also a third-team All-American one year and an honorable mention. Well, he helped me win that national championship my first year as a head coach. Uh, Brilliant kid, really neat kid. Uh, but you wouldn't recognize his name, but he was a heck of a nice kid. And uh, Kyle Jones was about as humble and quiet and unassuming and 
just uh, here at Baylor as you could ever be. And uh, I caddied for him uh, at the finals of the web.com tour school when he got his card the first time. And that was just a, well, first of all, it was humbling that he would ask me to go do that for him. And second of all, it was just a thrill to be able to be there when he got his, his card, you know, his tour card the first time. Uh, and, you know, you can't find a much classier guy. You guys know him. Mm-hmm. Kyle's just a fabulous guy. So he, he's one that I think will make it uh, in the long term because if you if you cut him wide open and look inside, he's, his DNA just says, I'm a golfer. I mean, that's, he doesn't really – he doesn't really aspire to do or be anything else. And I think he'll, that'll keep him in the game for a long, long time to come. And, and I probably enjoyed Morgan Hoffman. Uh, oh, yeah. Who has been stricken with muscular dystrophy over the last couple of years. And so he's probably going to have a very shortened career. He doesn't, he's really doesn't have any status right now. Actually, he's at the corn Ferry uh, finals of the, you know, at the three tournaments at the finals, but, but Morgan was such a sincere guy and a genuine guy. Really enjoyed coaching him as well. And uh, but honestly, those are just names you know. I could go on for days about guys you've never heard of <laughs> right. that I had great experiences with. So coaching is about a human being and and the relationship you develop with somebody. And I think they'll do anything for you if you figure out how to go to their heart first. If you go there, you got them. Love that. Well, coach, uh, I know we're we're running a little long on time here. Uh, before we let you go, you mentioned that the Baylor team had a really great summer. Some guys ended up winning the North-South Amateur, did well in the USAM as well. What are your goals and expectations for this team coming in? Because I know every year is a new year and a new team, essentially, especially in college. Right. My, my hope is that the coaching staff, myself and Ryan Blagg, I hope we can do a good job of allowing that momentum they gained over the summer to just kind of make its way into the school year. Um, coaches have a tendency sometimes to be a little controlling and we get, you know, hold onto that steering wheel pretty tight. So my hope is, is that we can take a step back, allow the thoroughbreds to run, just let them go do what they were doing all summer. It, it may, it makes sense if, if we just get out of their way, uh, you know, hold them accountable to the things we, we have as standards, but let them run and see what it looks like. I think that would be my goal this year. I don't know what the result you're looking for is, but I do know that, they're playing well. Let's let them go run. Love that. Well, you got two two fans here at Three Under Par, and we're going to be rooting you on this year, Coach. Uh, definitely keeping track of the Baylor team, and hopefully with throughout the tournaments in Texas, maybe we could sneak out to one of those and come watch the team this year. Yeah, you, you guys will have to do that. We'd love to see you. Maybe you could do a few interviews or podcasts after or before the tournament or whatever. It'd be great. Oh, we would love awesome. that. We'll, we'll definitely have to get you on again. Um, as you mentioned, you you probably got so many stories and so much golf knowledge that we would just love to pick your brain on. So uh, anytime I'm here and I don't I don't watch Dances with Stars or anything on television, <laughs> so I've got time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Coach, sure. thanks a lot again for coming on, and best of luck this season. All right, guys, thanks so much.